want to talk to you about is a, a little bit about um, music, of course, my expertise, as well as um, the importance of singing. And uh, singing can uh, do a lot for you. But singing is also a very personal thing. I mean, some of you may have, I, well, I can tell you all the things I've heard as a teacher through the years that, um, well, uh, no, my mom told me I can't sing. And I said, well, why did your mom say that? Well, she just told me I can't sing. Well, what makes you think, I don't know better than your mother. I'm a singing teacher. Why don't you sing for me, and I'll tell you if you can sing. And, uh, or, and then, as a result, they just never sing the rest of their life. You know, Let me tell you something. Everyone, at some point in their life, is at a point where you're not going to sound all that great. Okay? That's, that's normal. It's normal. And you don't get better at something unless you do it. So if you want to get better at singing, then you better sing. Right? The problem is, is that it is such a personal thing because, you know, if my kids, if something sounds bad on the violin, they can blame, they can blame the instrument. Oh, I need new strings. Or this, this is a cheap violin. It's only a $200 violin instead of a $2 million Stradivarius. Or the bow isn't quite right. Or, you know, my knuckle, my hands are sore today. You know, you can always blame something other than yourself. But the problem is, is that your voice, your vocal folds, sit right in here in your larynx, and it's part of your body. It's part of what God created. And uh, you can't, you know, just take them out, put them on the shelf, and put in a new pair. It doesn't work that way. And so it's very personal. And everyone's voice is unique. You know, when you hear somebody on the phone or someone's calling you, you know who it is often, if you know who they are, because you know their voice. And so it's, uh, it's very unique and particular to you, so so it be easily can become a personal offense when someone says, "Well, you can't sing," right? It's 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 very hurtful. So I I never say it to anyone, ever, and I challenge you to do the same. Never tell someone they can't sing because they will may never open their mouth again to praise praise God. They'll just stand there silently, maybe even move their mouth and not let a sound come out, and you are robbing them of the greatest thing that they can do is worshiping the living God using their voice that he has given them. So let it sing, let it ring. Right? Not everyone, some have better voices, some aren't as good, but they only get better the more you use them. That's, that's a natural thing. It's just like anything you're trying to perfect. And it's a lifelong process. So imagine life without music at all. Imagine if you were driving in the car and you turn on the radio and all you get is talk radio or white noise. Not even any bumper music, not even any jingles in a commercial. Just imagine absolutely nothing. Imagine coming to church and there's no singing, no music at all. Watching a movie, there's no music. Imagine going to a public meeting and there's no, you know, songs for it to rev everyone up or a sports event. There's just no music at all. There's just nothing, absolutely nothing. Right, and, and if you think about it, just walk, go through your day today and think about how many times you hear music, even if it's in the background. No music at weddings, at anniversaries, uh, Christmas, birthdays, nothing. No music at all. No singing, no music. Right? It, it's unimaginable because you, you will not go a single day unless you're an absolute hermit without hearing some music. And I'll even go as far as to say you'll hear the music of nature. You'll hear birds singing or ducks, ducks quacking or dogs barking, whatever it is. 
There's some element of music there. Now, music is not a universal language, but it is universal. Right? Quite often you'll hear that it's a universal language, but that's not entirely entirely true because that implies that everybody's music is the same and everybody experiences the same and enjoys the same music, but that's not true. Just as humans are individuals, just that cultures are all separate and different, there are different styles and types of music that are attributed to those to people and cultures. It's as it's, it's diverse as the human beings are, so is music. So, but it is universal. It is everywhere. It is everywhere. The Greeks even talked about the music of the spheres. And uh, in some cases, it's somewhat mystical. and In many cases, it's very concrete. And it is cross-cultural. There is not a culture on this planet that everyone knows of that does not have some form of music in it. That's a fact as far as all the research that's been done. A function of music is to express emotion. Through time, music has also served as a means to tell stories, which should be passed down through cultures and generations. Um, this is was truer of our American culture um, 50 and 100 years ago than it is now, um, but um, partially because uh, we've tried to suppress the what, any sort of unique American culture and try to diversify everything and celebrate everything else which is a thing in and of itself. But uh, there are plenty of American folk songs that come from whatever that are based upon some of them are are German, some of them English, some of them Eastern European, and uh, so forth, that have been passed down from generation to generation. And by doing this, you tend to, uh, we have used singing to catechize our uh, children. I mean, think about the songs we even sing, sing in church. Uh, there's a lot of theology. Sometimes there's good theology and sometimes there's bad theology. So we try to sift through all of that. But uh, nonetheless, it is used to teach and to bring up. Think of all the songs that, that, are, that are sung when little children learn um, with Bible verses. Um, and and uh, even a song like Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, is a pretty pure song. You know, just to even believe that is is quite a concept, and it's hard to believe that. It is hard. Humans tend to uh, reject that more often than they accept it. You know, when I was um, a freshman in college was when I pretty much when I accepted Christ, and I was just a fledgling Christian. And I remember I was an accompanying a friend of mine on piano um, for a contest he was playing in, and he was a senior in high school. And uh, he was really nervous. We, uh, he made it to the second round of this competition, and he was really nervous. And this competition took place in a church. And so we were in a side chapel just sitting in there quietly. And I said, well, you know, you can pray. and pray that, Let's pray right now that God calm your nerves and help you focus on this. And he said, well, um, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I haven't prayed to God before now, and I don't want to start now. And I thought, what? why would you even say that? And you know that there are people that will reject Christ on their deathbed? You would think that everybody would want to accept Christ on their deathbed. Hey, this is my last chance. But no, they say, no, I don't believe in God. They just reject him outright. I can't. I have a hard time believing that too. But that's the way people are. And part of it has to do with their upbringing and the decisions they've made through their lives. So catechizing through singing 
And singing Christian songs and singing songs of faith are really important for your children. Um, and, and it helps them to remember Bible verses. They will not forget it when they get older. I can think of all the things I remember as a, as a little kid learning in Sunday school. When I went to Sunday school, and I wasn't even a Christian, didn't even have a Christian upbringing that are burned in my brain through the songs that I learned. And I'm grateful for them. I happen to come from a, a heritage of Latvian culture where singing is, is, is the one thing that everyone does. Um, Latvians have this particular ability, uh, not myself, frankly, but those that, that are immersed in, in Latvia itself, where they can learn a song by hearing it once. You know, they just hear it, and then they're able to sing it along with you. And uh, it's just part, how, part of how their brains are wired, and it's because they've grown up doing that. Um, in America, we have patriotic songs, we have folk songs. Uh, think of all the songs, patriotic songs you may know. You may not know how to sing, but you've heard, like God Bless America or even the National Anthem. And they're all songs that tell stories or they, or they um, inspire some sort of attitude or rem- help you remember something. And, of course, we use singing to worship our God and our King. I mean, think about the fl- any song that might bring back a flood of memories. Memories. It doesn't even have to be a Christian song. It could just be a secular song, something that you, you what you um, uh, had for your wedding dance, or a song you sang that as a family when you were a kid, or even the song "Silent Night" brings up all sorts of emotions. Um, we sing "Silent Night" at my school, and there are some students that that can't even make it through the song because of of uh, painful memories it brings to them. It's, it's because of someone they love that has died or, or just uh, broken families and things like that. And so uh, uh, singing as music in general really evokes something from the human spirit. Sad songs may lead us to tears. Music has a way of reaching into our souls. That is how the act of singing functions as we worship God in song. Singing helps unite us to, um, to the church by corporately, in one voice, raising praises to God. Listening to music and singing together has been shown in several studies, here's the science, to directly impact neurochemicals in the brain, many of which play a role in closeness and connection. The reason why I even mentioned that was because, you know, when science is interested in something, that means they think that there's something there. They just want to understand it. They don't know what it is. And there is something there. You know that, that um, people can re- even that can't have had strokes that can't even speak anymore, or they might only be able to say like one word. I knew someone once where all he could say was the word thank you. He could go in Latvian, paldies, paldies. That was all he could communicate, say through his tongue, even though he was trying to say something else. But he could sit in a choir rehearsal and sing all the songs that he had sung before. Granted, they weren't perfect, but that was the only, he, his tongue could articulate it, which is something interesting. It just accesses a different part of the brain. So there have been a lot of studies about all that because it's very fascinating stuff. Music is used to calm and focus people and their attitudes and their spirits. You know, when, when 9-11 happened, um, they called, who did they call upon? They called upon musicians to uh, play concerts. You know, all of a sudden on TV, all you saw were concerts of, of um, orchestral concerts as well as singing concerts. Um, I happened to be at school on that morning, and uh, we were 
singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, big deal. We were practicing for a, for a concert of light music. And, uh, you know, over the, over the PA system, the superintendent comes over and says there's been a tragedy, blah, blah, blah. You know the story of all of that. But, and we didn't even understand what was going on, but they thought it was so trite to be singing a song like that. And I asked them, well, what would you like to sing? And so these are f- girls that are, you know, in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And they said, let's sing some patriotic songs. So we, I went out, grabbed a few books, we sang through some patriotic songs. And, um, you know, what a time. Um, they would, at our school, um, during the lunch hour, students would, during that time, for about two weeks afterwards, students would gather around the flagpole and they'd pray and they'd sing. They'd pray and sing. We have a lot of students who are worship leaders in their churches and they would, in their youth groups and so forth, they'd sing Christian songs, they'd sing, sing some patriotic songs, um, and they'd pray. They'd do that during their lunch hour. And I thought, and we, anybody could go out there and participate. So I would go out there and just watch young people being moved by God and crying out to him for that matter. Yep, and sadness and happiness, all those times for singing and raising your voice. Kurt Mazur is a, a well, was a um, conductor, orchestra conductor, um, and around the time when the Berlin Wall came down, and uh, everyone was like, yay, the Berlin Wall comes down, Germany's reunified. And, of course, uh, that was a, a, an amazing thing. Um, but uh, the people in East Germany thought, well, here's the end of all of our problems. You know, now we're, the West, West is so rich, it's going to just flood all of its money into our, our area and rebuild all of our buildings and our infrastructure, and we're all going to have work and uh, be able to, to earn a lot of money and, and uh, live in ease. Well, that did not happen, and it, it took a long time for that to even start to come about, and it wasn't happening fast enough. You can imagine living under under the uh, 50, 60 years of that type of oppression and, and then wanting it to change, and it's not changing fast enough. You want to see the change in your lifetime, not two generations from now. So people would riot in the streets, and they would protest. And so what he did as uh, as a conductor is he opened up, he was the conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic at the time, and he opened up the, uh, the, do- the doors of the theater and had all the protesters come in and they'd play something and immediately just lulled everybody to just calmness and then they would talk. He would say, okay, let's talk about these issues and then people would stand up one at a time, express their, their discontent, their anger and um, and then others could listen and hear what it was, and rather than just this senseless storming the, storming the gates type of protest. I, understand, I feel that way myself many times, trust me, where I'd rather, I mean, I've had enough. I just want to go out there, just, um, you know, I, I can't stand in the front because I'm not as young as I used to be, but believe me, I will support, you know, someone wants to start the revolution, I will be behind them, <laughs> right there with them. But, uh, you know, someone else has to start it, sorry. I'm a little old now for that. But, um, uh, but there's a place for that, but there's a place for reason and, and discussion, and that all comes first, right? That's not the last resort. That is the first thing that you do. So um, he did that, and it made a difference. Uh, when, uh, 
years ago uh, when there was the, uh, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, maybe someone in here does, um, he was he was always out at the abortion clinics, you know, trying to trying to uh, antagonize all the all of us that were out there trying to prevent people going into the clinics. And he'd wear his uh, his chapeau, you know, a little socialist man, and um, he'd always uh, try to lead people in these these uh, um, you know Jesus wants all the wanted children type songs and things like that. And but when we would sing, you know, for, for all the sloganeering and shouting that would go on on the other side. When we would sing, all of a sudden they would shut up. And then when we finished singing, there'd be be no noise at all. It was like it just completely shut them down. And there's something about that that makes a difference. I happened to be, I had the honor of being with Pastor Matt in Atlanta when they had the, what was called the clergy rescue back in, I can't remember what year that was, maybe 89 or something like that, 88 or 89. And uh, it was a response to the the uh, Democratic convention that had been there previously where um, uh, someone had walked up to, I think it was Clinton who was running, walked up to him and showed him, showed him a, an aborted fetus, you know, an aborted baby, and said, what are you going to do about this? And then he was rushed off and, you know, put in jail and and uh and you know they pretty much said if you ever come here to protest we're gonna, we're gonna put you all in jail well you know go ahead say that to a bunch of clergy and see what they're going to do and so clergy from all over the country in fact there was an archbishop from denver that was part of it and and uh archbishop moat of the anglican church and uh and everybody got arrested just stormed those clinics well stormed it by crawling up to them and uh, it was actually quite humbling. And, um, uh, boy, brings back some emotions. Anyway, we did a lot of singing. A lot of singing in jail, if you could call it a jail. It was more like a barracks that, that they had shoved everybody in that hadn't been used anymore. It's kind of like um, summer camp, really, to tell you the truth, except that they wouldn't let you out. And so... Uh, it was a lot of uh, great fellowship going on. Um, it was very a time for, of real learning for me. How Christian leaders, you know, I was just along as a as a friend, really. I'm not a clergy person, but um, all of the others were. There were there were hundreds of pastors that were part of that. And when spirits were feeling low and and uh, weary, people would start singing, and it just raised everyone's spirits. It made you feel like I can last through anything. If I just sing, and we'd sing all the popular Christian songs of that time, plus hymns and and uh, psalms, you just open up the Bible, right to the psalms, and start singing. And so that was great. But uh, singing makes a difference. In the scriptures, there are several songs. For instance, the song of Moses and Miriam, which is a song that they sang. What? When? When uh, Pharaoh was uh, going uh, with his chariots going through the Red Sea, and then God poured the waters upon them, right? That's that's that song of Moses and Miriam, right? A song of victory, right? In fact, the word psalm itself comes from the Greek word meaning to sing or to strike the lyre. The lyre is, you know, like a little harp instrument. And so all of the psalms are songs. We just don't know what the melodies are. And if you have a Psalter, well, a Psalter is simply psalms that have been put in poetic form in English so that they can be sung, you know, to an English meter. 
So Solomon wrote 1,005 songs, according to 1 Kings 4.32. It says he wrote 1,005 songs, including the Song of Solomon, which is you know, a, a book of the Bible. When King Hezekiah repairs the temple, the trumpeters play a song to the Lord, from 2 Chronicles 29.27. Also in 2 Chronicles 35.25, Jeremiah writes a dirge for the fallen King Josiah. But this may be one of the chapters in Lamentations, possibly. We're not sure about that. Some of the Levites who returned from exile in Babylon are specifically responsible for songs of thanksgiving, according to Nehemiah 12.8. And in Matthew 26.30, Jesus and the apostles sing a hymn in the upper room after Christ's last supper. Paul and Silas sing a hymn when they're in prison before God breaks them out in Acts 16.25. The 144,000 redeemed witnesses in John's revelation sing a song before the throne of God and the living creatures and the elders, according to Revelation 14.3. Here's some psalms where they act, uh, psalm verses where they actually particularly talk about singing. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. That's Psalm 68.6. Psalm 89.1, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all the generations. Psalm 105, verse 2, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Psalm 132, verse 9, may your priests be clothed with your righteousness, may your faithful people sing for joy. Psalm 104, verse 33, I will sing to the Lord all my life, I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Isaiah 42.10 Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and all who live in them. Acts 16.25 is the actual verse that I just referred to about Paul and Silas. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Right, Singing brings focus. People listen when you sing. They don't always listen when you talk. If you're a mom and dad, you know that. Colossians 3.16 Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. 1 Corinthians 14.15 So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I also will sing with my understanding. And Ephesians 5.19 Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. So I encourage all of you to do just that. Make music from your heart daily. It will cheer you, focus you on the tasks God has given you to do, and start your day off right. And if you think you can't sing, well, then sing by yourself. You can go in your prayer closet and you can take a psalm and just open it up and make up a melody of your own. It makes a difference. It really does. It makes a difference to me. I have about a 45-minute drive uh, to and from work every day, and I'll just turn off the radio and I'll start singing something. And I rarely sing a song that's already written. I just make something up and I sing to the Lord. It doesn't take longer than 30 seconds to to just really focus things. I'm, I'm serious. It works really fast. Right? Just sing. 
Just sing. It will will raise your heart. And God hears it. God will hear you singing. He hears your prayers. He's right there with you when you sing. When you sing to them, he is communing with you. He is fellowshipping with you right then and there. Right? He is. He is with you. Please believe that. Please believe that. You know, we don't see God, but we see him in everything and all the things that he does. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very easy to take all of that for granted. You know, when you open your eyes in the morning, it's because he is there. When you take your breath, it's because he has given it to you to take. So don't take those things for granted. And then that just gives us one more day that we can live for him, that we can tell somebody about him, that we can help somebody, or that we can be ministered to by someone else. You know, giving is good and receiving is good too, right? If you help someone, that's, that's great for them. It is great for you and your relationship with Christ and how he's teaching you to serve him and do things for people. And when you are the receiver, you're allowing someone else to experience that, right? It's, it's a two-way thing, right? So it's okay to be blessed as well as to bless. One is greater than the other, we know. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be the receiver of blessing. So bless yourselves by praising God, God through song and singing. You say your prayers through singing. Just just do it. Because it will, believe me, you will finish your prayer. How many times have you, you know, laid down your head on the pillow and say, you know, you start praying and then you say five words and you're asleep. Right? Happens all the time. And I don't want to disturb my wife who's laying next to me. Or I wake up in the morning and I start praying and then all of a sudden your mind just wanders on to something else. Right? It won't happen if you're singing. I promise you it will not happen. It, act, it just somehow it, it digs deeper into you. So sing, sing, and sing. Amen. So I believe we have elements to pass out today for communion or the Lord's table. So we are going to do that now. And as I talked about a little earlier, we do do this every week here. And we don't have church membership rosters or lists or keep track of your ties so we know if you're a, a valued member or not. Pardon the sarcasm there. But um, uh, we do ask that you be a believer. All right? And so if you are a believer in Christ and you believe that he has made the sacrifice for your sins, then you are worthy of taking this because this is why we take it for that to remember that to remind ourselves weekly here of what Christ has done for us and we need to be reminded every week because we are sheep and sheep are easily <laughs> taken astray and so we have to bring ourselves back to reminding ourselves what Christ has done for us and these are symbols of what he has done Right, the bread is a symbol of, and it's broken because his body was broken for us. And the fruit of the vine is a symbol of his blood and how he shed it for us. Hallelujah. Don't trample it underfoot. And when you take these, just use this symbol to remind yourself of what he's done for you. Right? And to know that that you are forgiven. That it's not the act of taking this that forgives you. 
It's not that you have to go out and do some other great act to be worthy. It's not like you have to say 20 prayers or you have to pray for an hour a day. Lord, if I read a scripture every day, you know, read one chapter of the Bible this week every day, and if I if I uh, pray to you for an hour, I know that I'm I know I'm doing well, and I know that you have accepted me. Nope. Sorry. You can be the most pitiful human on planet Earth with kneeling right here and praying to God for forgiveness, and you are instantly clean. You are instantly in His presence. There is nothing else you can do and nothing else you need to do. You are there with Him. You are accepted by Christ as much as anyone else that thinks they're accepted by Christ or believes it. And that is the great work of God. And he reminds us of that through this, that there is nothing we can do to be accepted by him but have faith in him. And he did the work right here. He broke his body and he shed his blood. That is the work that was done. He did it all. Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us despite our lack of faithfulness to you at times, Lord. We thank you that you have not rejected us. We pray, Lord, that we not reject you. Help us to remember your greatness. Help us to remember what you have done for us and not trample underfoot your work. Oh, we praise you and we thank you, O Lord. So the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul continues, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that death that we proclaim is that death unto forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise be to you. Let's take the elements. thank you for your provision of of sacrifice for sin and Lord we thank you that you have made us clean that is you O Lord that has done that work and that you have provided your spirit for us for comfort and for guidance Lord we cannot repay because your son has already paid the price Praise be to you, O Lord. We pray, Lord, that I pray, Lord, you would bless everyone here. You would bless their lives this week as they go out. That you would teach them more about you through the things that happen in their lives. That you would bless them in the work that they do for you. And that you would conform them, Lord, more to your likeness each day. I pray this for all of us, Lord. 
Peter said, To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. May we turn to you, O Lord, every day in prayer and worship. And may we guide all of those whom we have influence over or a connection with closer to you. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Have a good week.